Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. And welcome back to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. I hope you are well. Hope you're feeling good this week. I'm delighted to be back with you with another episode. And I wanted to take this chance to say thank you again to all of you for tuning in. It's just been so amazing to meet people and hear from people who are really enjoying this podcast. It means so much to me and uh, makes it just all the more enjoyable. Also, everyone I meet who comes up to me who says that they're enjoying the podcast is very cool. So clearly you guys are cultivating some kind of very cool gang that I'm just delighted to be a part of. Congratulations on that. You all have great hair, great clothes, great vibe in general. Um, And uh, I'm especially grateful to those of you who took the time to listen to the special bonus episode last week with Katie and Amy, although I suppose it was the beginning of this week. It came out on Monday. The bank holiday has been completely thrown off. But anyway, uh, thank you to people who took the time to listen to that episode. Um, I think it's really valuable and really important that people have an understanding of the situation that people like Amy uh, find themselves in when it comes to surrogacy in this country. Um, And, you know, it's great for us to just learn about how our laws and rules affect people and um, when they need to change. You know, it's good for us to know a little bit about why they need to change um, so that we can support, I suppose, lawmakers in doing that. Um, certainly, I came away from my chat with Amy and Katie feeling like, yeah, the, the situation right now is absolutely not okay. If you haven't listened, no stress. Um, it's still there. And I appreciate everyone who's shared and messaged me about it and all the rest. It's much, 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 much appreciated. Now, though, we've got a busy episode, as always. Later on, we're going to be speaking to Bethany Rudder, who is the author of a book called Welcome to Your Life, um, who is also someone who was absolutely instrumental in me, I suppose, getting to a better place with the way I feel about my body and, and what I do and don't deserve in life as a result of my body. Um, so uh, hopefully you'll take something from that conversation as well. But first, it's time to catch up on the news. And you know that means it's time to chat to Aoife Moore of the Irish Examiner. Aoife, it is a delight to be back with you. And we have got a lot to talk about this week and um, a lot of issues that kind of directly affect women as well. Um, mm-hmm. Let's start with the maternity hospital because I saw you on your Instagram stories this week saying people are so confused. I have yeah, to clear this up. I and was, I think that's the case. If you've driven me to Instagram talking into the camera, you know things are bad. <laughs> so the National Maternity Hospital, for people who don't know, Ireland is in desperate need of a new National Paternity hospital the current one in Hall Street doesn't have enough toilets doesn't have enough facilities you know we've known for 20 years that we need a new national maternity hospital the plan was to have an integrated hospital on the land at St Vincent's where St Vincent's hospital is 
The controversy has started because the state wanted to buy the land off the nuns who owned St. Vincent's called the Sisters of Charity. The Sisters of Charity did not want to sell the land, but they said they would lease it to the government for 299 years. The issue for people now is that the government would own the building, but technically a new company called St. Vincent's Holdings, in which the Sisters of Charity have transferred all their ownership, would have control of the hospital. Now, obviously, in this day and age, in 2022, people are very concerned because they do not want nuns or a religious order involved in a hospital. There are many hospitals across Ireland which are run by religious orders and do not offer services like terminations, like gender reaffirmant surgery, like sterilization, everything like that. So this has been rattling on for years and years. years. Yeah. This week, the, the memo came to cabinet. Stephen Donnelly, the health minister, brought it to cabinet and said... I have legal guarantees that the Sisters of Charity, no religious order, will have any say in the running of this hospital. And I can guarantee that every service that should be carried out will be carried out. There was consternation at Cabinet. The female Cabinet ministers had a lot of concerns, said even though Donnelly said he had this, it doesn't sit right with him. They have delayed the deal now. So they haven't signed the deal for the 299-year lease. It went to leaders' questions yesterday and the Taoiseach, basically his message was, well, if the lease is 299 years, that's basically ownership. And the opposition are saying, well, if that's basically ownership, why don't we just own it? Yeah. There's a thing called a compulsory purchase order in which you can basically force people to sell land back to the state. The opposition have said that that's what they want the government to do. They do not think that we should be given money, taxpayers' money, over to a religious order for a hospital. The religious order should either gift us the land or sell it to us. Is there no other option? Like, why? I don't understand why this is being pushed so hard. The government say that they don't want to do a CPO, a compulsory purchase order, because it'll be further delays. They're very complicated. We have very complicated laws around CPO. So they say, you know, we're desperate need of this hospital. It's going to take ages to build the hospital anyway. Let's just get moving. But I think there are well-founded concerns that even if we have guarantees that this hospital will carry out the services they're supposed to, it is still in 2022 the Irish people paying a religious order for a hospital on its land. We have a very dodgy history when it comes to women's health care and religious Yeah, this orders. is it. Like, it's not even about, like, I can, you know, there is an argument, of course, that's like, why would we pay religious orders who who... I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure they still have some bills Mm -hmm. when it comes to, um, you know, compensating people for the treatment that they received at their hands. Mm -hmm. So, like, first of all, the idea of paying them is difficult for people to stomach. But then exactly what you said, like the idea of women saying, oh, yeah, no problem. No problem. I'll Mm -hmm. trust them. That's fine. The government say it's okay. And the thing that bothers me is that the attitude sometimes from government is, well, we've told you this is fine, so it's fine. And I get that it's frustrating for government, but I think there needs to be a bit more patience for the public considering what we have been through as a country mm. when it comes to any of the schools, the Magdalens, the Miller and Baby Homes run by religious orders. I think it's well founded that we would be a bit skittish about handing something so important back over to nuns. Like it hasn't been that long. 
It hasn't been that long since this was happening. The last Magdalene Laundry closed in 1995. Exactly. And then you've even got the echoes of, you know, Savita Halepanavar's Mm. death, which happened as a result of laws that were confusing in the context of Catholic hospitals and Mm -hmm. stuff. Like, it's just the idea, it seems to be a bit of a, like, sure, you know, get over it or like, not even get over it, but just like, as you say, we're telling you, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Like, just take us at our word. It's like, well, we've done that before and it doesn't work out so well for one. Yeah, like this isn't our first rodeo as a people. In fact, it's like our hundredth. Okay, so we'll we'll keep you posted on that. And then actually staying, I suppose, in the in the region of women's health, we have to talk about what's going on in the United States because as people were online just trying to enjoy a little bit of fashion bit at of the Met Gala, shit was going down in America. This is a really big deal. So uh, a draft Supreme Court opinion was leaked this has never been done before there is a huge investigation into who did the leak but this is you know the most craven sin that you could do as you leak a supreme court opinion it was leaked on monday night by politico and it appears to show that the court is preparing to rule in favor of a mississippi case in which the state can outlaw nearly all abortions at and after 15 weeks this is really concerning. This basically looks to a lot of people like the end of Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade was the 1973 ruling that brought abortion legally to America. This would now throw abortion back to the states if this decision goes ahead. Now, this isn't a confirmed decision. This isn't one they've made in the Supreme Court. But draft decisions very much tend to be something they have already agreed between the, the justices on the bench and then the draft is sent around all of them and they can make edits. Now, the Republican Party in America, this is something that they have been pushing for a very long time. They yeah. have packed the Supreme Court with these anti-choice Yeah, judges. I was going to say, because it was all like Brett, Brett Kavanaugh and then Amy. Sorry, why am I on first name terms with these people? But yeah, recent, Brett and Amy. like several of the recent appointments to the Supreme mm-hmm. Court have been very upsetting because mm-hmm. people felt that this was what would happen. Absolutely. So um, now it looks like they will re- uh, could or will overturn Roe versus Wade. This is really concerning um, to Democrats and most people. This is the thing that I always come back to. Opinion polling across America always shows that it is not a Republican-Democrat issue. It is the majority of people in America are supportive of abortion. Yeah, I think it's like 69%. Yeah. yeah. So it is a small, but then I would also say that's around a third and around a third of the people in America voted for Trump. So there's mm. obviously a direct correlation there. Mm. So... There's now investigations under who leaked it. I am less worried about who leaked it and more worried about what's going to happen next. Um, there's a, the, the, there is a notion that it might have been leaked to put pressure on the court not to do this because it is so deeply unpopular. I would also say that the Democrats hold a lot of power in the Senate and obviously the presidency and they may have to work now to find a way to push a bill through Congress that would allow for federal control over abortions, which isn't ideal, but it's better than throwing it back to the states because the point was made by Joe Biden that if we throw this back to the state control, we could also throw back marriage equality, interracial marriage, all those social issues that were dealt with in the 1970s could all be under attack now. I've seen Elizabeth Warren out um, very yeah. passionately speaking about this in the last number of days. Um, and in fact, I'll throw a little clip in here so you can hear her yourself. I am angry. Angry and upset. Angry and upset and determined. 
The United States Congress can keep Roe versus Wade the law of the land. They just need to do it. I, I've never seen you so angry. You seem to be. This is what the Republicans have been working toward this day for decades. They have been out there plotting, carefully cultivating these Supreme Court justices so they could have a majority on the bench who would accomplish something that the majority of Americans do not want. 69% of people across this country, across this country, red states and blue states, old people and young people, want Roe versus Wade to maintain as the law of the children land. The we we need to we, do no, that. And we have a right. Extremists, we've heard enough from the extremists. Um, emotions are running high, but she seems absolutely defiant and that convinced they can do something. Yeah, that they can do something through mm -hmm. Congress. So yeah. hopefully all is not lost. But it is troubling. Very worrying. I mean, it's Handmaid's Tale stuff, isn't it? It really like, is. Like, are we it's in Gilead? Like, it's well, so, we're not. But it's so strange. <laughs> like, Ireland seems to be getting... <laughs> someone said that to me yesterday, that Ireland... I know the people have always been more progressive than the governments, but we do seem to be going in a different direction from literally all our neighbours. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and thank God for that. Um, okay, every time I say something like that, I'm like, is that too opinionated? And then I realise I don't work in yeah. national broadcaster anymore <laughs> and I can say whatever I want. And it's a real delight, let me tell you. Okay, let's move on. And um, we have to talk about Ukraine, obviously. Mm -hmm. Kind of a, 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 I mean, there's a lot going on this week. Mm -hmm. um, so first of all, let's, I suppose, talk about what actually happened in Ukraine this week. Yeah, so things are, 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 to be honest, getting worse. I was just listening to Morning Ireland this morning. They were saying that uh, there was a bombing on a theatre in Mariupol, mm -hmm. um, which now appears to be much more fatal than they originally thought. They think around 600 people died between yeah. inside and outside the theatre. A lot of the media showed this week of like children and um, women in underground bunkers in Mariupol hiding from... The shelling. So Russian troops have went into a different city today. I'm not going to depress people by trying to pronounce it. But they have been pushed back. There has been good news and bad news, but there has been a lot of civilian casualties this week. Mariupol is under serious attack. Russians have tried to take a different city and have been pushed back. It appears that Ukrainian forces were able um, to save certain parts of the city, but... It's, it's getting a lot more, I don't know if heated is the right word, but the shelling has continued. There's a lot more civilian casualties. Less and less people are able to get out mm. of Ukraine now. You know, flights are a lot less. I would say that, like, you know, we talked about this before, but the, the Ukrainian news kind of heading to the back burner again because, obviously, you know, it's been going on for quite a while now. But it's, it's, it's not good. No, and it's heartbreaking to see, like, I saw a woman this week just weeping there was a video of her and she'd been hiding and she was saying you know she'd leave now she basically was like I'd leave now if you gave me somewhere to go I'd leave this mm -hmm. minute like what's the point in staying here like mm -hmm. there's nothing left mm -hmm. so there's all these people who wanted to stay and like you know hold support on. their country and mm -hmm. hold on and then they come out from their bunkers and they see that what they were trying to save is gone yeah and like everything's been flattened the other thing of like taking on um, refugees like we're going to have them for a long time because even if the war ended tomorrow they have to they rebuild. rebuild. Yeah. Um, the, something strange happened this week on Russian TV in relation to I Ireland. Laugh. I shouldn't laugh, but Russian state TV produced this video. Now, it was put out by 
yeah, Russian state TV, the man who was actually doing the presenting has once been labelled as Putin's mouthpiece. In the video, they showed a graphic of a nuclear warhead attacking off the coast of Donegal. <laughs> have the people of Donegal not suffered enough? They don't even have a train, right? <laughs> so, it appeared on Russian state TV, obviously everyone panicked. You know, it went to the Taoiseach, I was at a press conference with the Taoiseach the other day, and he was like, uh... This is pretty sinister. It really upset people. We had, you know, Billy Kelleher, the MEP for Fianna Fáil, Neil Richmond, the TD for Fianna Gael, saying, okay, this is that we're expelling. We have to expel the Russian ambassador. We cannot have these, like, thinly veiled threats against Ireland. Which um, is what, I mean, it is. They didn't mention Ireland. They mentioned Britain. I don't know if they're bad at geography or just wanted to insult us. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, it could be either, really. It's like when you go on holidays and someone asks you if you're from England and you're yeah. like, no, no. Um, so yeah, they never mentioned Ireland, they mentioned Britain, but it very much appeared in the video that the missile was hitting Donegal. Um, yeah, because even if like you're, that's the wrong side of the country even. Mm -hmm. So very concerning, but this is the kind of tactics that Russia does use. They're big into their propaganda. It was Russian state TV. Mm. So I think it's a lot of like chest puffing out to show the Russian people what they could do. But the EU are talking about further sanctions. Yes. So there was a meeting on, I believe it was Tuesday, with the environment ministers, and they are looking at a a planning for a total ban on Russian oil. Now, gas will be more difficult, but they do think that the 27-nation bloc could ban oil imports. Now, there are a lot of countries who are solely uh, reliant on Russian oil, so it's not the easiest thing to do. But Ursula von der Leyen, who is the president of the European Commission, said that she wants them to phase out imports of crude oil within six months and refine products by the end of the year. Now, they're not going to force people into it because their big thing is they want to keep the the European Union united. You know, if they all start fighting with each other, that's exactly what Putin wants. Yeah. So we can't force certain countries like Poland who need Russian oil um, and it, but that is very much what they are moving away from. It's just, it's to isolate Russia. You know, mm. we're against the war, but we're still pumping money into Russia for yeah. oil and then funding the war. So that's what they want to stop because yeah. you can't, on one hand, be handing uh, weapons to Ukraine and on the other hand, be ha- handing money to Putin. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, let's let's park that there for now and finish on a positive note because it was a big week for Katie Taylor. When is it not a big week for Katie Taylor? What a woman. Okay, so Katie Taylor beat Amanda Serrano in Madison Square Garden last week. Uh, It was to retain her title. It was the biggest ever boxing match in women's boxing. And now, be still my beating heart, there is talk that there will be a rematch and it could be in Croke Park. The GAA have indicated that they would be open to hosting the iconic match. However... Dun, dun, dun. It is around the same time that Garth Brooks. <laughs> oh. Is there ever going to be a time where Garth God. Brooks is coming to Ireland without controversy? Oh my God. So it's it's tapped to be. There was always going to be something, wasn't there? Always going to be something. Yeah. So the it's tapped to be in October. However, because of obviously the matches and then Garth Brooks. It might not go ahead in Croke Park because they obviously want Croke because it's like 90,000 people and everybody will want to go. Yeah. But there is a wee bit, they're a wee bit kind of iffy about it because they'll need to see what date it is. But yeah, so she hasn't, Katie Taylor hasn't fought in Ireland since turning pro in 2016. So this would be absolutely huge. 
she's a national hero everybody loves her yeah i saw a thing the other day they were talking about trash talk and uh katie taylor was like i can't start doing trash talk now because i'd be so bad at it. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> can you so imagine quiet, i know she's so quiet spoken i know and she's so christian as well yeah, that, like, yeah she loves god yeah, she really does yes yeah, so that wouldn't be very christian ever to start trash talking no and also you wouldn't want her to like she's yeah, a class I act think, yeah like, and also trash talking is such like a small man worried about what they yeah, look like thing exactly yeah, so well done katie and hopefully we have her back fighting the rematch against amanda serrano in Earth ireland Brooks, my god yeah could I you imagine remember. those two groups of people meeting as like one goes under Croke Park and one leaves like people in <laughs> cowboy hats and then <laughs> maybe they could do the double do you they know what I mean swap. you could wear your cowboy hats or to the Katie Taylor match in the afternoon just stay for the Garth Brooks concert it would stay, stay from polyester if everyone just swapped tricolors as you were leaving like you take my <laughs> tricolor to the box and now I've left with my cowboy hat on oh I love it thank you so much Eva Moore <laughs> Bethany Rudder is an author who has written three books. Her first two books were Young Adult Fiction, A No Big Deal and Melt My Heart. And her newest book is Adult Fiction. It's called Welcome to Your Life. And I love her. Um, I came to know Bethany online probably about 10 years ago at this stage. Bethany used to be a plus size fashion blogger. She doesn't really do that anymore. Um, But she was one of the key voices when it came to... I suppose at the time it was body positivity, although I think a lot of us have moved away from that phrase. But the idea that fat people shouldn't have to live miserable lives where they don't feel like they deserve anything, um, which at the time to me was mind blowing. Um, she was crucial in kind of changing the way that I thought about things. And this new book, Welcome to Your Life, includes a relationship in which one person is basically having that revelation live as you read the book um it's also a romantic comedy it's it's a great read um but I was delighted to have the chance to talk to Bethany about the fact that she was so crucial in those early days for me and about why it's important that we read stories about people like Serena the main character in the book and about body representation in all areas of culture um I could go on but you might as well just listen to the conversation (laughs) this is Bethany Rudder Bethany, it is such a joy to talk to you in this capacity about your lovely new book, Welcome to Your Life. Um, And there's so much to talk about, but I guess, you know, what Welcome to Your Life is about is a a woman who's at a turning point. Um, And I suppose the facet that I wanted to talk to you about is the journey that she's on in the way that she feels about her body and the way that that impacts the way that she lives her life. Um, Because I've said this to you before, but you were such a huge part of my turning point um, in the way that I felt about my body and the way that I was living my life. It was amazing to read this character kind of on the same journey that I was on. Um, how does it feel when people say to you, because I know there's lots of us, when people say to you that you were a part of of people kind of changing their perspective on their bodies and the way that they live? Yeah, that is always like literally the best compliment that I can receive because I had those people too. Like I, I know what it feels like to have your way of thinking materially changed because you are exposed to somebody who's living in a way that you find like admirable or exciting. And that is largely a product of the fact that there is just not that much in the way of kind of positive representation of fat women in mainstream media. So we're Mm. always looking out for these like real, you know, for want of a better word, like real women Mm. um, that, you know, people that we could be. 
um, on social media or like among our friendship groups. Um, and it, yeah, it is really amazing when you get to be that person for somebody. But I am, I, I'm really happy that so many people have kind of responded to that element of welcome to your life, uh, the kind of changing and developing a better relationship with your body. Because I found that like all of the other decisions in your life or in the life of the character of in Welcome to Your Life, who's called Serena, I feel like things then um, become a lot kind of easier or become different. Um, by going on that kind of journey with your body, it then enables you to go on the same kind of journeys with other parts of your life. So like the kind of clothes you wear, the kind of people that you want to go on dates with or whether you want to go on dates at all. Mm. It feels like they're all so kind of interlinked. Mm. And a lot of it does come out of this kind of process of coming to terms with the fact that you may have this body forever. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that, um, and, and something that people who don't like, I think sometimes people like to point out that everyone has body issues and that is absolutely true. There's no doubt about that. But when you're a fat person and a fat woman in particular, you know, the narrative that is poured down our throats for our lifetimes (laughs) is that your body is a work in progress and that, you know, there's a thin person inside you just waiting to get out and someday you'll lose the weight. And, you know, that's what you have in your head all the time. So as a result of that, you can put everything on pause, which is essentially what um, Serena in the book is doing and certainly what I was doing for a long time and, you know, feeling like you'll do I'll do that when I lose the weight I'll do this when I lose the weight I'll blah 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 when I lose the weight and looking at your body as this kind of obstacle that you just need to get over in order to start living and it's hard for me to imagine you trapped in that frame of thought because you're such a kind of beacon of fat positivity were you there at one stage as Serena was and as I was yeah so I, I feel very lucky that I kind of got over that mindset relatively young Um, So by the time I was maybe in like my kind of early mid 20s, that was when I did all of my personal growth in this area. And I'm really grateful for that happening because, yeah, I mean, it's not something that you're given the tools to do independently. Like we live in such a kind of fat phobic culture. People have such a problem with the idea of themselves becoming fat, with even having to see fatness. It's, Mm. It's such a kind of hateful unnaturalized hate that is very common and I think something that you know what you're saying about how like you know everybody struggles with their body and you, you kind of get told that that is true but something I'm I would like to be very clear on and I would like everyone to kind of go away thinking about is the fact that yes thin people struggle with their body um but for me there is a massive difference between like self-limiting beliefs and like structural ingrained cultural barriers and discrimination um those are two very different things so like yes of course you can struggle with your body but like when you go to the doctor do you receive adequate medical care like probably you know Mm. and those two things are not super linked for people who are not fat Mm. um you know obviously there are many many other kinds of oppressions but if we're talking specifically about fatness um yeah, that there is a big difference between like feeling bad about your body and the world being set up to discriminate against your body. Yeah. And for it to be accepted, for that discrimination to be accepted and almost endorsed. 
Yeah, completely normalized. I feel like it's, you know, it's very rare that I read a book or watch a TV program or watch a film where there isn't some kind of like fat phobia, you know, yeah. especially in comedies. I find even now in big 2022, you know, almost every comedy I watch, there is some kind of like fat phobic humor. Yeah. Like even I was reading a book last year um, by someone I really admire and I was so disappointed because there was one character in it who wasn't in it much, um, but the, the character was meant to be this really unpleasant person. Um, and the main vehicle via which the author made it clear that this person was unpleasant was by describing their fatness in a really kind of grotesque way. Yeah, yeah. And that was like obviously a shorthand for making sure that you wouldn't like this character. And, and that kind of stuff happens all the time, which is, I suppose, why it's so powerful to read a book like Welcome to Your Life, where the main character is fat, her best friend is fat, and you know you see the full the full gamut of of fatness and and how people feel yeah. about it because Serena is like living very apologetically I would say for her size feeling like she only deserves x y or z because of the body that she lives in and then she meets Nicole who's got like a similar body to hers but who's basically like a bon vivant like living her life to the absolute yeah. fullest never apologizing for her existence um and it's really confronting for her and I think that that's so powerful because how often do you get to see one First of all, a main character in a, it's essentially like a romantic book uh, who's fat. You don't. I mean, that's one thing that you don't. And then you never get two fat people. Two yeah. fat people? Unbelievable. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I presume that kind of representation at a very basic level is really important to you. Yeah, like, obviously, I don't, I don't think I'm, like, reinventing the wheel. Like, um, I don't think that I'm the first person to write, a, you know, a book with a fat main character. There are many, many others, but there are just not enough. enough. And especially when so many other books that do not have a fat main character may have a fat character who gets sort of treated badly or is a kind of, yeah, vehicle to expose some... Uh, you know, obstruction or unpleasantness or whatever, they fulfill this function that just reinforces fat phobia. It is very, I feel, I find it very joyful to get to kind of tell essentially like my story as a fat woman, because mm. I don't feel that is super well represented. Um, you know, because there are lots of fat women who don't, you know, who even as adults do not get to feel like good about themselves, yeah. you know, like, the kind of I, I think of them as like older Facebook ladies who are very um offended by the idea of like younger fat women living very joyful lives because mm. they struggle for so long mm. and then um have not kind of come to terms with their bodies and then there's this very kind of uh vocal and joyful group of women living their best lives and that doesn't kind of compute um mm. So, yeah, I feel like it, it doesn't even necessarily follow that fat authors write joyful fat characters. And if they are not doing it, then not many people are. Yeah. I feel very blessed to get to do it. Well, I think it's great that you're doing it. And and I mentioned that this is kind of a romantic book. Romantic feels like the wrong word, but I suppose it's it's a, you know, there's lots of dates in it. There are terrible dates. <laughs> lots of it's terrible dates. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but what I, I particularly enjoyed that because one of the main limitations that I placed on myself um, when I felt a different way about myself and my physical being was who uh, would be interested in me romantically. Um, and as a result of having 
you know, not great self-esteem, I certainly settled repeatedly for people who were not good enough. Um, And Serena is kind of on that journey as well and has to be confronted with the fact that actually there are some people who will very much fancy you and who will very much be into you. Um, And I, I want to say that out loud and I want to hear you talk about that because I think that there are still so many women in particular and I think men as well who are still on that path of like, oh, I'm lucky to have someone like me. But of course, that's not the case, is it? No, and it, I think that's quite a kind of dangerous position to put yourself in as someone who is going on dates because if you're entering them from this position of like being extremely grateful that anyone is paying you attention that means you are probably putting yourself in a situation where you are not being as like critical of the relationships that you're in or questioning like is this good for me like is this going well like am I being treated well um yeah I I feel like that kind of gratefulness for any kind of attention is something that I really want to like liberate to chub babes of Mm -hmm. and to kind of empower people to make decisions themselves and I think that that you know trying to write a character who is moving towards being someone to whom things you know she, she sort of starts off as being someone that things happen to and then tries to become someone who makes things happen and who takes these kind of decisions about her life and is a more empowered and active participant in her own life Mm. Um, because that I found that is some you know I've I've been very lucky like the book's been out for just over a month and I you know I got to come to Galway and hang out Mm -hmm. with you and meet babes there and I get to um I got to do like a you know bookshop stuff in London and obviously get a lot of feedback through social media and the thing that people really are kind of like we talk about a lot is the idea of kind of looking at people through the lens of like who will fancy me not who do I fancy yeah and yeah that for me was like I think that was a real turning point for me in terms of changing the quality of my life yeah becoming this kind of person that that makes decisions rather than having them forced upon me yeah I and I love the way that's written in the book I even for me I found it I it made me kind of reconsider some of my own choices and stuff um and I know it's not a self-help book but hey it's good if it helps someone right (laughs) um one thing that I thought you wrote about brilliantly in the book is uh, there, there's this conversation about kind of the fetishization of bigger bodies. And um, because I see people talk about this all the time. Um, and I think it's kind of a tricky one where it, it's almost like if if someone prefers or is like more attracted to bigger bodies, that that's somehow a bad thing or that, you know, they're only seeing someone as an object. But then surely if we apply that there, then we could apply it also to someone liking, I don't know, large breasts or like blonde hair or brunette hair. What's your take on that? So I think that, you know, those are good examples because it exposes the fact that the the only times that we consider something to be a fetish is when it's something that is not normally deemed to be attractive culturally. So if I do not take for granted that fatness is attractive, like if I if I reject the idea that fatness is unattractive, I become less able to envisage someone being attracted more generally to fat women. Mm. I, I become less able to see that as like a fetish. Um, and yeah, I, I think it, it's one of those kind of funny journeys you go on of like, 
instinctively you're like oh no I don't want to be fetishized and then the kind of the longer you're in that kind of dating world and the more that you become in tuned with like fat politics I think that the more able you are to be like it's actually not so bad like it's it really isn't quite as like obviously and you know obviously there are like men of the internet who speak to women you know fat women disgustingly and like Mm. that I completely object to but you know just the idea that if someone broadly prefers fatter bodies I am not going to be one to be like well then it's just a fetish and um I don't want to be objectified and yeah 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 and I think like after reading the book and thinking about it a bit more that's kind of where I came down as well is that like really like if you're talking about fetishization as a negative, like I suppose what you're really talking about is people who disregard the person and and solely think about the physical. Um, and nobody yeah. wants to be with anyone like that in any kind of capacity, like that's if that's not what you're looking yeah. for. So whether it's, you know, someone who's like interested in you just because you happen to have the right anatomy or whether it's someone who's interested in you just because you have a certain body type or just because you have a certain hair or whatever. And, you know, you're probably not going to want that because if you want a relationship with someone who sees the whole of you, then obviously that's not what you're looking for. But at the same time, you also want to be with someone who fancies you. And you're right. Yeah. And if you're assuming that if someone fancies me in this body that I have right now, that's a bad thing, then that's that's not great either you know yeah so you have to kind of I suppose have a little reckoning with yourself about where your thoughts are actually coming from yeah Mm. I think it's it's a lot of food for thought um because I see this conversation coming up all the time um so I I I love that you wrote about these characters and I know you've written about fat characters before and I'm wondering as you move forward do you think you'll always write about fat characters I think so, because I just don't have any knowledge of anything else. You know, mm. it obviously it's one of those things that's like very taboo to ask, especially female writers, like if they write from their lives, you know, yeah. if, you know, work is kind of autobiographical, semi-autobiographical, whatever. But for me, it really is like I'm I use my fiction to at the moment, I use it to kind of explore things from my life you know the things that me and my friends talk about a lot me and the things that me and my fat friends talk about a lot the mm. things that I me and my friends would talk about a lot when we were dating um you know things that happened to me when I was a teenager that I still kind of think about so that's what I use my fiction for is to kind of explore revisit figure stuff out through fiction and so for me a lot of you know the kind of key questions from my life or the key decisions that I made they were like a product of being a fat woman. Mm. So it really makes a lot of sense to me to write fat characters. And also I just don't know what it's like to navigate the world without having that influence the Mm. way that you do, the way you think about things, how you shop, how you date, how you, you know. Sometimes I like imagine, I try and imagine what it must be like to like be able to walk into a shop and just buy an outfit or like, you know, worry about if someone, I don't know, likes your personality instead of being worried immediately that they're going to hate you because you're fat. Yeah. What must that be like? Um, I, I can't, I can't quite get there. So I totally okay. appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I won't be writing about anybody thin anytime soon either. Oh. Well, Bethany, thank you so much. As Bethany Rudder. The book is Welcome to Your Life. I think it would be an especially powerful read for anyone who is really struggling to accept themselves. Um, and I think you've written something really useful and um, I'm, I'm glad it's in existence me too um (laughs) and 
yeah I've been very moved by all of the responses that I've had to it yeah um it's 99p on kindle this month. yes it's 99p on kindle this month so get it get get there get it I mean you're you're making money as we say in Ireland (laughs) a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, it was a big week in the world of celebs. The Met Gala happened. There was a lot of hijinks happening around the Met Gala. And we also got some interesting news about neighbors, some returning people as the series draws to a close. And there's lots of other stuff to talk about, too, including an absolutely wild tale of a Grey's Anatomy writer gone totally rogue. This week, I am delighted to be joined by Jen Gannon. I hope you enjoy. Jen Gannon, it is wonderful to be back with you once again. Hello. Um, thank you so much for having me in your home. We've got lots to talk about, and we were just saying there's something about you and me. It's always <laughs> the Kardashians that we have to talk about. We don't have, you know, Chris. We're not in cahoots with Chris. She's not ringing us going, girls, it's your time again. I wish we were on the Kardashian payroll. We should be at this stage, uh, but we're not. I would love that. Yeah. But we do have a lot of Kardashian stuff to, have, to talk about because the Met Gala happened this mm. week, um, which obviously is ostensibly a fundraiser for the Metropolitan Museum of New York's Costume Institute, but really is just like a big fashion show-off event, which we all love to watch and judge. (laughs) Um, But this week, one of the big stories of the Met Gala, of course, was that Kim Kardashian wore Marilyn Monroe's dress, your face. I'm just so (laughs) conflicted about this, Louise, because like, as usual, there's been nonstop debate on social media about you know, Kim taking the original dress. This is my problem. My problem is, first of all, what is the tack museum, Ripley's, believe it or not, doing with this dress, which was the dress that she wore to sing Happy Birthday to JFK, that very famous dress, the naked dress, basically, that started Mm. all the naked dresses. Um, What are they doing with this? And why are they letting it be hired out to be worn by Kim at the Met Ball in the first place? 
I don't know. And I found that really disturbing. I also found it really disturbing that they gave her a lock of Marilyn's hair. Yeah, I found that even more disturbing. Mm. Um, Just if people haven't seen the video, it's basically she is at this Ripley's Believe It or Not video, which I think just has a lot of like Hollywood kind of artifacts and stuff and showbiz pieces of memorabilia. And the guy's like, you're either going to think this is really cool or really weird, but that's who you're dealing with. Okay, this is either really cool or a little strange, but that's who you're doing business with, right? So. <gasps> what is this? That is Marilyn's hair. So. <laughs> so. You can clone her. That's awesome. Oh my God, I'm literally going to do some crazy voodoo shit that I like <laughs> And I channel her. This Incredible. is so special it's to me. Thank you so much. So, this is so cool. So, so cool. Good vibes. Wow. This is sleeping with me every night. <laughs> Sorry, babe. The problem is, like, I think, as, like, if you were a, a crazy young girl, you either, you were either, you know, a Marilyn Monroe person or a Sylvia Plath person, and I was actually both. I was at the <laughs> intersection of both. And I think... If you that's love, actually that's very on brand for you. I yes. <laughs> but if you love Marilyn, and I think you realize that she has been exploited so much in her life and her death, and I don't think Kim needed to do this because, as we know, she didn't want to wear the, the original dress into the party, so she got a replica. So why not just promote another designer and, and do a tribute rather than wear the actual dress? I well, think is because she wouldn't have gotten as much attention. Yeah, and then the, the other thing about it is it didn't even look that. Good. Good. Like, oh, come on. I think looked, she looked amazing. I mean, she looked good, but like the dress itself, I was like, the, that, the importance of that dress is, is the moment yeah. that Marilyn had in it. And I think when you're... Kim Kardashian is the Gilded Age. Yeah. You don't need to wear Marilyn Monroe's dress. Like, you are the theme of this Met Ball. Like, that, yeah. the Kardashians are. There's, there's no bigger family to, to actually encompass that, you know, theme. So I just thought it was a bit weird. Also, as... American icon Amanda Lepore pointed out she was wearing pleasers like those like pleaser shoes with it which just didn't look great because she's so small yeah so those the dress are the, was a long the dress pl- yeah the plastic kind of yeah. I think some people will call them stripper shoes yes um uh, yeah, and but I it, apparently she wore them so that the dress wouldn't get damaged, like okay. to, give, to keep her a bit higher off the ground, so that Hooked the dress up. wouldn't yeah. get stood on or anything like that. So yeah, like it, there's all this stuff, and then obviously there's the she lost sixteen pounds in three weeks to get into it. It's hard because like if you're coming at it from a from a this is a historical artifact perspective, and like obviously you want to take the best care of it. Obviously, first of all, the best care of it clearly would have been if she hadn't worn it at all. Mm. But if she's going to wear it, then it's, you know, okay, it is better that she changed her physical body to wear the dress rather than to have the dress altered. It is better that she wore some kind of tacky shoes so that the dress wouldn't be on the ground. It is better that she only wore it to walk the red carpet and then change when she got inside. Like all those things make sense in in terms of restoring a, a historical artifact artifact but I think the point is and what you're saying is that the whole thing was just totally unnecessary very unnecessary and also as we know it didn't even fit her because the back of it was open the arse part of it was open oh yeah which is apparently why she had the fur kind of jacket thing yeah Yeah, which just like you know so you're taking away the fact of you starved yourself to fit into this dress which is like disturbing enough in itself and then for it not to fit you're kind of like well the jig is up can we not just leave it and you have the world's designers at your disposal Mm -hmm. you know why can't you do something else and 
do a fabulous tribute to Marilyn or a modern twist on it because but I also I just I don't like conflating I love you know don't get me wrong I as I know I'm a Kardashian addict but it's like conflating the story of Marilyn with the story of Kim is very different like yes. and I think that's another problem and I think Marilyn was a very misunderstood artist who never got to capitalise on her talents in her lifetime because she was hamstrung by her own insecurities yeah. and, and who always felt exploited exactly I suppose and in, in that context you're kind of like well is this another exploitation of Marilyn who didn't have any say in this exactly that's what I feel and I feel like it's, a, it's an extension of the fact that like you have someone like Hugh Hefner buying the plot beside her to be buried next her and you know people like Joe DiMaggio even her ex-husband burying her there was not what she wanted because after she married Arthur Miller she changed converted to Judaism and she wanted a Jewish burial but she never even got that even in her death and I feel like this is another exploitation of her memory and you know I just I don't think Kim would ever mean to do something like that and I think it was just the fact that she was saying you know we're about very sexual, uh, represented as sexual icons and, and something like that and about turning scandal into like diamonds, yeah. that kind of thing, which is fine. But at the same time, I just think it was a step too far for me. Yeah. And I also just think, you know, you didn't have to tell everybody about that three week weight loss. You didn't have to say the number of pounds. You didn't have to say how long it took. You didn't have to do any of that because all of that is just like now a target for so many people who feel, oh, I, if I want to wear that dress in, you know, for my wedding or mm. if I want to wear my, that dress for that event, then if Kim Kardashian did it, I can do it. You know, for people with disordered eating, I'm sure it's extremely trigger- triggering. Like anytime you hear about weight loss and specific numbers of pounds, I know eating disorder experts say that that's really da- dangerous for people mm. with eating disorders. It's just, I just think it was a bad call all around on that front. Um, now, staying with the Kardashians, before we move away, there was some scandal this week because Pete Davidson was was photographed with a new tattoo on his neck, which appears to be the initials of Kim and her children. Last time we were laughing about how, you know, Pete Davidson had those tattoos of like, my girl's a lawyer and also branded himself with like her name on his chest, which is not even a tattoo. It's like a brand branded on his body. So we were like, yeah, celebrity craziness. Oh, hilarious. (laughs) But this tattoo, which is like KNSCP, allegedly, apparently, it's a bit yikes for me because considering Kanye is so vehement about Pete not getting close to the kids and has publicly stated this over and over again or you know even talking about the kids publicly and I you know I understand that and I think as irrational as Kanye is and God helping me is uh, the kids should be off limits I mm-hmm. think and I feel that this is Kanye bait like to get it photographed yeah. like that with it exposed, I think. Well, yeah, like you didn't have to get it. If you wanted to get something like that, you didn't have to get it on your neck. Exactly. exactly. Where people were going to see it. And I think it's far too soon for, you know, the idea of the kids to be around or getting used to that. And I think we know that, you know, we've seen the press about Kanye saying that he was so upset about not being allowed to attend Chicago's party, which was a misunderstanding, apparently. But, you know, they're very public concerns. And we know he's like hair trigger kind of sensibility and could just go flying off the handle well I think even if you remove the Kanye from it like even if you say you know let's not consider how Kanye might react to this still someone getting children's tattoos initials tattooed on them after seven months with a track record like Pete Mm. Davidson who tends to get into these really intense relationships that like burn bright and die fast like it just seems like it's all well and good for him but you know for the kids and for the fact that it's all public like it's well exactly like go for your life get like Kim's paper cover you know on your back you know get whatever brand her on your skin but like 
the kids it, it makes me as you said uneasy just yeah. to have them used like this or yeah. like they don't really as you know we can be a bit cut and run yeah. and these relationships like fade away yeah. so yeah it just it, it made me feel a bit ugh, not good another couple who um looked absolutely gorgeous on the Met Gala red carpet were Phoebe Bridgers and Paul Maskell our yes. very own um and there is <laughs> a, a rumored engagement I just think it's mad that this and every time I see him I'm like just he's that lad from like the Denny ad and then I he know. became this international sex symbol had people like lusting over O'Neill's shorts and went to the Met Gala and you just see him with his little little moustache at the Met Gala going oh god he's like mortified like half mortified and he's engaged apparently to our sad girl fave Phoebe Bridgers like and it's just we like some people thrived during plague times and that's Paul Meskel. He yeah. really did. <laughs> he had a good I mean, pandemic. Yeah. It's mad to think that we saw like their burgeoning flirtation happen, unfold live on Twitter. Like when he said, Phoebe Bridges was like, oh, I finished normal people. And I'm like, you know, sad and horny. And he was like, oh, I'm officially dead. And then she's like, don't die. You're so talented. And it was like the equivalent of you standing there watching your mate, you know, texting yeah. a guy and getting the, like the whole role. Yeah, but even better than that yeah, is that like, we really found There's thousands of us looking at it. And they're famous. <laughs> But even better than that is that we found out about them because they went to, didn't they go to like a cafe in Kinsale? cafe in Cork (laughs) and they leaked it. I love those guys. They were like, oh, they had a lovely breakfast, great, talented young people. And we were all like, oh my God, (laughs) they confirmed this relationship. Yeah. And and she wasn't supposed to be here because it was the pandemic. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Well, she broke the COVID rules for some D. I'm like, who didn't? But as it turns out, some H as well because there were hearts involved. That's that's true. That's Um, true. I have to say, big shout out to Phoebe Bridgers as well because this week after um, everything that's been going down with the Supreme Court and the potential um, overturn of Roe v. Wade which uh, we talked about earlier in the podcast she put a post on her Instagram saying that she had had an abortion last Mm. October that it was very straightforward she went to Planned Parenthood they gave her a tablet and that was it and that it should be easy for everyone I thought that was really ballsy on her part I loved that and it was straight like straight after like the Met Gala and all the hoo-ha and it was like literally this is actually important what is going on because I think a lot of people were looking at the gala going this is just the height of American imperialism and it feels like you know fiddling when Rome is burning or Mm. fiddling yourself while Rome is burning but like she just really took it back and went you know what no this is something really important that's going on for you know millions of women and it's a terrifying time and I've seen very few stars talk about this as publicly I can count them on my hands like Rosanna Arquette Susan Sarandon, Natasha Lyonne and Lisa Rinna. And as much as we give Lisa Rinna crap, like she did put up a post saying like, you know, the next Housewives is going to be like the Handmaid's Tale kind of thing. Like, and you know, they did refer to it explicitly. But like other than that, a lot of people have been, a lot of American stars, very silent. And I find that really strange. And it's a really disturbing issue. And she, as you said, she did it in a way that was so straightforward and just really explained it so well. Just saying, look, I mean, I, I had an unwanted pregnancy. I got a tablet. I, it was all fine. And this is the way it should be for everyone. Yeah. And I think that's so important. And it's so important to put that out there for people. I agree. Um, now to something completely different. We all kind of wondered, I think, when we heard that Neighbours was going to be ending, would there be a possibility of some of the big stars who made their names on our screens returning I mean, to Ramsey Street? I said it. I'm sorry. I <laughs> said it when it happened. I was like, Kylie is now... She's so comfortable with her legacy. Like if if this if Neighbours had ended like 20 years ago, 
she probably wouldn't have done it. Mm. But now she's just like at ease with herself, so chill about it. She's like, yeah, of course I'll go back to Ramsey Street. So Scott and Charlene are coming back from Brisbane, from Brizzy, when they left in like, what was it, 1989? Nine? I want to say, yeah. I was very upset when, when obviously when Kylie left. Yeah. Um, that was my whole life um, so I mean I used to pretend for years that I liked Jason but like Jason was just like standing there. next to He's Kylie just there. Yeah. and that's the reason but yeah so the two of them are coming back Kylie and Jason so Scott and Charlene are coming back to say goodbye to Ramsey Street now we don't know what capacity will it be mm. just a cameo but they did have a proper script um, Kylie had it up on her Instagram just the neighbour script even in that familiar font and I actually just got chills because oh. it's so exciting like it's 37 years years I think it'll bring in big numbers because there'll be lots of people who maybe don't watch anymore but who you know that was the golden era um, and I will certainly be watching their wedding was watched by like over what two million people I had a I had more than one Kylie and Jason t-shirt oh me too I also had this is like the story I tell every time but I had a pendant of Kylie and Jason and I went upside down on the monkeys monkey bars in the people's park in Dunleary and I lost it and I just want to say, if anyone still has that, if somebody <laughs> found that, if I was reunited with that, I would just, I'd, yeah, that would be like the light of my life. But yeah, I'll, like that wedding was such a huge pop culture moment for so many people. And yeah. I think like uh, suddenly by Angry Anderson, like I still adore that song. I had an old boyfriend of mine. I used to always say, look, if I could have my first dance, if we ever got married, would be to especially for you. Oh. Um, that's probably why we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> But they're very important to people and I think they're such a huge yeah. part of that that I'm dying to see how they'll reintroduce them into Neighbours. And I, I think there'll be, as you said, a load of more really cool yeah. cameos that will definitely happen. Let's get Guy Pierce back. Let's get Mike back. <gasps> my mom's fave. Yeah. That would be amazing. Okay, well, we'll we'll have to wait and see, but I'm very excited about that. And before I let you go, you alerted me to this article that was in Vanity Fair this week, which I had missed, which is absolutely fascinating. And it's essentially the tale of someone faking it till they make it to the extreme. Very much so. It's about Grey, the Grey's Anatomy writer, Elizabeth Finch, and she was all about these big storylines about her cancer, a very rare form of cancer that she had, and she put them front and centre into her stories. But it looks like there is... And also, she wrote this very moving um one episode about sexual assault, uh, Silent All These Years, named after the Tori Amos song. And she it's alleged, it's a two-part article, and I, I just encourage anyone to read it because it is jaw-dropping. I read it in bed the other night and I just couldn't get over it. It's basically trauma theft, they're saying, um, that she has co-opted the life of her wife now her ex-wife they're going through a very tumultuous divorce as you would expect and put it into the show and also had like a lot of people obviously on Grey's Anatomy who believed that she was sick and and were trying to look after her and were you know walking on eggshells because she had experienced so much trauma for them to you know find out that all of this was made up is just bizarre and also when you think about it Shonda Rhimes at the time was involved in writing Inventing Anna and then that's when the bomb was dropped this email was sent from Elizabeth Finch's ex-wife to say, listen, nothing she's saying is actually true, is mad. It's layers upon layers of craziness. Also, there's a mad story about how she became friends with Anna Paquin. And it's like insinuated that Anna Paquin gave her a kidney, which is not true. But Mm -hmm. also, it's so wild. These stories are so wild. Yet again, another story of like, you know, a kind of scammy, but this is like emotional scam, which is even more tragic and terrifying. 
I would not be able to live. Like, you know, the fear, yeah. and, but also the guilt, the guilt of like having these people around you that like are really, you know, crazy about you and care about you. And none of that is true. How do you keep that lie up? That's it's, what I want. Yeah, to it's the lying and the like, the fear that you're about to be found out at any stage. Like, imagine how she must feel now that it's all kind of unfolding. It's yeah. wild. And like she basically, before, she kind of jumped before she was pushed because Disney started an investigation into this like the stories and, and everything that was was going on within Grey's Anatomy and she actually left she said she's taking a leave of absence so the, oh, I'm she was not trying surprised. to prevent I mean you'd be like out. I'm out I'm out I'm yeah. out you just run as far as you can like I, if she's not living on some kind of uh, like island <laughs> off the coast of nowhere I would be shocked now, it was written by just to say the, the journalist I think it's Eugenia Peretz um, she has written amazing stories for Vanity Fair um, just to say because I think that's getting lost in how amazing the story is, but actually somebody went out and did the this investigative work. Yeah. work for this. So props to her because it's a massive story. And no doubt it will be a Shondaland three-part drama Gotta be. at some Gotta stage. Gotta be, yeah, like, 100%. It's eating itself. The scammers <laughs> are eating themselves. Um, well, I will put a link to that um, in the notes for this show. But Jen Gannon, journalist, writer, pop culture aficionado, thank you so much for being with thank me today. Thank you. It's just about time for me to go. But before I do, I wanted to throw a few recommendations your way. I haven't done them in a couple of weeks. First is I'm reading Emily Pine's excellent new book, Ruth and Pen. You may remember Emily Pine wrote a brilliant, I don't know what you call it, memoir, collection of essays, a nonfiction work anyway, uh, some years ago that I think almost every kind of thinking woman read it was so brilliant and now she's back with a fiction uh, novel and it's called Ruth and Pen as I said and I'm really enjoying it and the good news is that Emily's going to be on the podcast in the next couple of weeks to chat about that book also I have been listening to a new Australian podcast it's called See Also and it's hosted by Brodie Lancaster and Kate Jinks and Brodie Lancaster is a kind of culture journalist from Australia who I have followed for many years and what I love about Brodie is that uh, much like myself she enjoys a Kardashian and she enjoys like you know a kind of highbrow documentary um so she covers all those areas and Kate Jinks um is new to me via the podcast but she's brilliant she is the programmer for the Melbourne Film Festival so each week they chat about culture um again from the high to the low and I have found it to be brilliant I would say if you're missing the high-low um, podcast, this would be a great one for you because there's lots of good recommendations in there and they have really interesting conversations about elements of culture. I particularly enjoyed recently they were talking about um, uh, Andy Warhol, a kind of documentary about Andy Warhol and um, the things that they'd learned from that. And there was lots of good tidbits, lots of good suggestions for things that might be interesting to consume in terms of art and media. Um, so I, yeah, definitely, definitely would recommend checking that out if that sounds like your kind of thing. They're fun as well like they're not taking themselves too seriously and as I said that's called C also then I watched the CNN HBO documentary about Alexei Navalny who is the leader of the opposition to Putin in Russia and um, he I mean his story is wild he is basically Putin's number one enemy and has you know endured assassination attempts and is living um an extremely unusual life as a result of it. And this documentary is absolutely super. Now, the bad news is you're going to have to use some kind of, you know, 
subterfuge or interesting internet attempts to find it to watch because it was on BBC. So um, there's no kind of playback option. But if you look, if you can't find it, I really, really would recommend it. Navalny, it's called. N-A-V-A-L-N-Y. And then another thing I did this week, which was really nice, is I went and visited Aaron Street East, which... um, is just off Capel Street um, in Dublin. It's a shop that sells mainly pottery, but they've expanded now into textiles and they just make the most beautiful things. But they also do um, pottery classes and they've just started doing weaving classes. And I got to go in and I got to have a go of a pottery wheel, which I have always wanted to do. I had just had my nails done, which was not good because you don't really want any length in your nails, I learned, when you're doing pottery. So maybe when I start of my new pottery career I'll have to say goodbye to my long nails but I was pretty happy with what I managed to do despite my nails um, and I also had a go of weaving when I was in there and it was just great to see how these things are made I just love getting a look into proper craftsmanship and there's something just so nice I think about focusing on something like pottery or weaving where you can't be on your phone like you just have to focus on the one thing um, and it made me realize that maybe I need to pick up a hobby like that somewhere along the lines if I can ever find a free hour maybe I'll go and have a pottery class. So yeah, if you felt like looking into it, if that was something you'd be into, I think Aaron Street East would be a lovely place to do that or there might be something local to you if you're not in Dublin. Um, Other than that, I've just been up to 90 as always. My children, they're very time-consuming kids. Do you know what I mean? Um, But they are also absolutely gas. They've been really making me laugh recently. Um, My two and a half year old, no, he's not two and a half, he's just about to turn three, has taken to saying, fuck's sake, Um, with great frequency, but always in the exact right moment or context. So it's very hard not to laugh because he's saying it exactly as you should with with good cause. Um, So (laughs) I don't know how good the parenting is at the moment because every time he does it, sometimes it's it's too funny that you just can't help but laugh. But sure, look, if bad language is the worst thing that's going on with those kids, then I think we're doing okay. Anyway, I'm going to head off. I will be back with you next Friday with a new episode. I hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, I would love if you took a moment to uh, follow, subscribe, like, uh, review, all that kind of crack, whatever is the appropriate one for the podcast app that you use. It is much appreciated. And I have learned that, as people say, also very useful for people like me. So yeah, have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.